Good afternoon, everyone. This is your host, Steve, and I want to welcome you back to episode 54 of the Baked and Awake podcast. Just doing a little quiet, cold intro here for you to let you know that what we're going to do with this episode is just slightly different than what I had indicated a few days ago when we published episode 53. As promised, what's going to follow today will be the central chunk of the discussion that my friend Goldilocks from SeshCast and I shared on a recent episode of his own show. Uh, Again, the podcast SeshCast, an excellent cannabis lifestyle hangout and contemplate and get philosophical uh, kind of uh, vibe over there at Goldilocks's show. Uh, you should check it out. He recently visited Seattle with his lovely girlfriend, and uh, they came out and spent a few days here, enjoyed the hemp fest, and enjoyed the surrounding Seattle, everything Seattle had to offer. We were able to get together down at the event a couple times and had a great time. Uh, didn't record together co-located, but we got on the got on the horn after and uh, sat down and had a great conversation about the event and our impressions of it and our thoughts about where it might be going in the years to come. So what I decided to do this week is instead of also adding in an intro to what I had indicated I was uh, hoping to do, which was the Nag Hammadi library, Nag Hammadi texts, Nag Hammadi scriptures. These are uh, ostensibly ancient uh, documents uh, found in a earthenware jar or vase in a cave in uh, back in the Middle East. Um, I want to say it was Egypt. I'll, I'll have that info for us when we get into this. Uh, it's a big topic. It's a, it's a, the, the texts have informed us on Gnosticism in ways that we didn't have insight into the roots of that path before, uh, as well as early Christianity. Uh, they are believed, I, I believe, to be authentic documents and uh, very important, uh, very interesting, and right up there with things like the Dead Sea Scrolls in terms of providing people with insight into early Christianity in particular. Um, So what I decided as I started really digging into that topic is I want to treat it a little bit more fully and give it the time it deserves. So we're going to hold off just a little while I continue to do my research, get my ducks in a row, create some decent show notes for you to support that. And we'll probably look at that topic probably next episode. So, but what I decided to do is uh, I've been really enjoying some like fun YouTube chill hop, like background music channels lately on uh, the TV while I'm puttering around the house and working in the garden and stuff like that. And I've been, you know, having the family listen to stuff like that with me instead of like watch shows uh, when the kids get home from school, um, etc. And I already do, you know, a good little bit of playing quiet music in the background as we talk, as we go through the podcast. Auntie Luode is our wonderful and longtime provider of amazing tunes uh, for the podcast, royalty-free. We've also enjoyed some music from uh, another wonderful contributor, Animal Tremor, from Moscow, Russia, recently, and uh, hope to have more from Animal Tremor very soon. Um, What I went ahead and did was I found a new resource online. It's not new at all. It's the Free Music Archive uh, that provides sort of uh, Creative Commons uh, commercial and non-commercial licenses, depending on the artist. Lots of different music on there, many thousands of uh, songs available for download. And uh, so the show notes today are going to include a number of credits for artists that uh, we're going to feature in the episode today as sort of a chill hop episode Okay, so a little bit more sound engineering on my part going into this one than a lot of times. Um, I've pulled together a number of different artists. Uh, They include 
a bunch of new names that um, I'm still becoming familiar with, right? Um, we have Kai Angle. We have an artist called Cutside. We have an artist called Victor Van River. Fascinating earthbound objects. We also are featuring tracks from Six Umbrellas. Ketza. Jonas the Plug. Mind's Eye. And Driven Official. I'm going to be including information a little what I, what I have from the uh, respective pages of these artists in the show notes. I'll also point you at the free music archive yourself if you happen to be a podcaster or other type of content creator. Maybe check it out as well. See if you can find some excellent music for your own production, for your own projects. Uh, I hope everybody enjoys what we come up with here. Um, I think, you know, I'm having fun making it right now, and I just paused in the process to record this intro. I'm not going to bother with a strain of the week or anything. I'm, I'm puttering here at the desk with a bowl of Dutch treat and just playing tunes for myself and listening to the conversation and just loving the process right now. So uh, let me know what you think of it when you've gotten through it. I want to thank my uh, longtime, well, let's say, short time, but getting longer time and with an eye to the future, uh, show supporters, um, in particular Top Tree, the awesome internet and Instagram humor account that you guys should all be following at Top Tree for their continued support of the show. Check them out on Instagram. Get at me on Instagram, at Baked and Awake. I believe I have Baked underscore and underscore Awake on Instagram. And then uh, you can always email me, like I always say. Talk to us at bakedandawake.com. Uh, look forward to next week with the Nag Hammadi scriptures. Uh, and I'm sure I'll add another couple little stories in there. There's a lot of new stuff that we're tracking on right now that's pretty wild. Uh, I will probably also report in on an event I'm attending on Monday, which is a interesting international uh, private like uh, investment accelerator type event. It's called the International Business no, Intercontinental Business Exchange Seattle Edition, and uh, I'm going to be attending that on Monday. I believe uh, probably sync up with my uh, friend Josh Kincaid uh, from the Seattle Super Chronics uh, brand and uh, show from back in the day and, and uh, events. Um, Josh also has a really cool YouTube show that he's done, and I'll get the name of that into the into the show notes for you. Oh, gosh, I think it's Marijuana TV is his project. Um, I'll find... Oh, jeez, I'm blowing it. Oh, that's terrible, Steve. Just total carnage. Train wreck. All right, Josh, we'll get you straightened out. We'll get you in the show notes, and we'll give you a real shout-out next week uh, after the event. And everybody, stay strapped in. Get ready. This is going to be me and Goldilocks talking Hempfest 2018. Chill hop style. Funny, You know, and, you know, none of them are as... They're not festivals, they're cons, but this is a festival that you can work like a con if you want to. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, the the interesting thing about Hempfest to me, um, being someone who I've gone to, I mean, I, I think that I tend to stay on about a festival a month streak wow. from um, any time from early spring, April, through late, late fall, um, to when it gets a little bit too cold, yeah, take the winter off, but, um, and whether that's a music festival, or like I said, just a local street fair, um, or a street festival, or something like that, and even, you know, a county fair, any of those things, like, uh, I spend a lot of time at all of those places, and what hemp 
Fest really reminds me the most of, interestingly enough, is that street fair, like a community street fair. Yep. Um, the where I went to college uh, in Ohio was local to a place that had the Circleville Pumpkin Festival, um, which was a very popular weekend fall event that everyone was very very into, um, and the Pumpkin Festival was no more than an excuse to walk the streets of uh, an impoverished factory and farm town um, who grew a lot of pumpkins. And so they will, you know, have all of the local businesses have their booths out front of their stores, and then they have some bands and some pumpkin judging things, and maybe a parade one day, and it lasts for the weekend, and everybody has a blast, yada, 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 right? And so Hempfest, to me, fits much more in that uh, that category than it does like a, a major rock festival, um, something like uh, Louder Than Life in Louisville, Kentucky, or Rock Lahoma in Oklahoma, um, Rock in Rio, Rock on the Range, uh, any of those major rock festivals. You know, they have. Uh, a different, and I think it's interesting you brought up the shape because I think that that's that's a key part. Is that the music festivals have a different shape than these street fairs? Street fairs have have your long shape, uh, your yeah. Some of them might like, have little branches, you know, if they're two blocks long or something like that. Do a little H, and you can do a snake or whatever. But yeah, no, they're narrower, right? Yeah, and and a music festival, you're looking at a big oval at, at minimum, you know, yeah. like. It's a street fair is a, a, a tree branch, and a music festival is a spider web. Um, you know, you've got your central, you've got your main stage, and then you've got your other things. And what that does is that your your music festivals, there's a main central hub. It's where you hang out, um, and the rest of it is just kind of around. Maybe you end up there, and if you end up there, you tend to stay there for a while. Um, versus something like Hempfest that's set up in this big long streak, um, which is, encourages you to walk the whole way down and visit all the stands and, and see all there is to see because it's easier. It's, it's not confusing. You don't have to know where your center is and it doesn't feel like an event to get somewhere because it's one big long street. And so I think that Hempfest has a really good setup and I, I want to compliment Hempfest in that, that they really utilize their space well because they manage to have a central hub with the main stage right there by the pedestrian bridge that comes in on mm -hmm. the, the, the northwest entrance, perhaps. I don't remember which one that is. Um, but, they did, yes. Uh, That's the one we came in to. Yeah. And so with, with that setup and with that in that location, um, you have your... Uh, your good, well set up event that you have a central point you know exists, but you can walk in either direction. It feels good to walk in either direction. There's more to see the farther down you go. There are stages spread throughout. Like they have, they have this great setup, um, and they set up their space well, but they don't. I feel into the way that that's set up in a way that optimizes their opportunity. And that was one of the things I noticed while I was over there, um, is that they have this great street festival feel, but they treat it not really like that. They treat it like a music festival where they have a bunch of stages for places or for people to be. Um, and I, I noticed that in the scheduling of the stages. Every speaker has a five minute block and then there's a new person on stage and a new person on stage and a new and it's this constant roll of people which is is cool and interesting if you have a stage that people are going to stay at for a while yep but Hempfest isn't set up to sit and stay for a while nope. you know maybe you sit down by a tree to eat your food maybe you sit down in the field to smoke a quick bowl Maybe you sit over by the waterfront to watch the waves and the boats go by and smoke a little bit, you know, whatever it is, but you're not spending two to three hours sitting in one spot listening to what people are telling you or listening to music that's being played. And so I think that the way their, their schedule is, 
encourages people to just walk right by the stages. But at the same time, the main protest part of the protestable, what is the, the main mission and the main goal, and what is telling people, you know, there is a reason that we need to still have this festival. We, we do still need to protest about this. Um, you know, we, we have this, like, we do still need to, uh, and we do still need to be active. Um, we do still need to be activists. We do still need to be donating, so on and so forth. But people aren't right there. Well, exactly. So and, they're not to the extent that they were because they feel like it's all been fixed. Yeah. They yes. feel like so, we, we did it. Um, so, so I look at Hempfest as this way to tell people, okay, we did that, but we do still need to do more. And where I think they're missing that opportunity is in the way that they're scheduling their stages and their, their schedule of events. Um, because if you create a reason for people to stop and stay for a while, they will. You know, if you say this person is going to have a 20 minutes, like come see this person talk for 20 minutes at this stage at this time, people will go because that's a reason right. it's an event right. but if it's just hey between 4 and 4 30 these 15 people it's gonna be a be parade of uh frantic yellers coming through and uh then we're gonna take a hour break for music and then later more <laughs> hurried speech it's not frantic yellers but it's hurried speeches for sure it's now maybe maybe we're all right so i think there is something to be said for a short format you know, engagements uh, for sure because it does let people, you know, hear hear a little something and then move on, and they didn't miss a whole, you know, huge rest of a speech from somebody. Um, like, I get that on 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 one level, but I hear you too. Like, so many of these people probably had a lot more that they could say and do for folks. Um, of course, outdoor festivals, like how many of them are, you know, they're not, it's not an expo, it's not a convention, it's not a, um, like, weekend paid retreat or seminar or clinic or training program, it's like, it's like you walk into a pop-up Disneyland for cannabis, right? Um, yeah. And like I'm with it on on that level uh, because they do work all year round. All right, we all we all don't know this. We all don't bother. We don't know what Hempfest is about. But they work 12 months out of the year. They talk to legislators all the time. They talk to the industry all the time. They have their own you know retail store that's not a cannabis store even to this day. Right? There's no Hempfest weed shop that you go to all right they didn't go that route and they probably could have uh we talked about that briefly you know yeah that organization could have reinvented itself probably a few years back when, when we legalized yeah. and decide to get a license and pursue a license and be a retailer right now if they wanted to um but they didn't they stayed you know the type of group that they were the type of organization that they are um and so so they have they have the festival, which is, has been enormously successful for a very long time, but which I feel like what you saw last weekend was a already uh, event that's been in trouble for a couple of years. And so the experience that you got to see is already less than the best that I feel they've done in the past, right? At their zenith, they got bigger names guests and speakers of course uh to come to the event in the first place and it was of course better attended by more people and that necessarily would probably contribute to the type of like vendors and everything that would make it um, although you know our legal industry is pretty heavily well re excuse me represented there at this point in time i don't know you know um but yeah, you know, well, so, because we're, you know, probably talking about it for longer than I, I thought we would in terms of, uh, like, getting to it, but we haven't, you know, we barely just got to the heart of it, right, is uh, 
what's the opportunity here for them to combine their, you know, maybe they don't call it a combined mission. I feel like part of it is like the awareness and the festival side, the fun side, and letting people just have fun and celebrate once a year that it even exists and that we do it and that we can do it the way we can up here. Um, but the other side, of course, is the day-to-day hard grind of improving things for people. Like, we still can't legally smoke publicly like you can in bars here. Okay, for example, you know, huge difference in rights for an adult cannabis user, right? Um, and a adult alcohol consumer, for example. Yeah, yeah. For social opportunities and outlets. So... Uh, and, and because of that, there's one big place where an otherwise totally legal person can find themselves uh, in trouble with the law. Because you tried to smoke outside the bar in the alley or, you know, next to a fucking lamppost. So you didn't have to go in the alley and get attacked, you know? Um, so, you know, that's, you know, something that should still be pointed out that, hey, you know, the laws we've got are still heavily askew and kind of curtailing our rights, if you want to call it a right, which, you know, I tend to think of it that way, Uh, that being the right to consume something like cannabis or, you know, a number of other, you know, perfectly harmless, but for some reason, whatever, you know, uh, well, ostensibly deadly if you listen to the uh, powers that be, uh, yeah. you know, uh, substances that, nevertheless, most folks who do have experience with them who aren't afraid of them taking the risk of uh, encountering them in their personal lives know that they don't have to be deadly and that you can be a great person and interact with any number of substances besides alcohol. Struggling to 
soldier on because there is a change in opinion, there is a, a break in stigma, it's becoming more mainstream, so people think, why, why is this so special, why is this... Yeah, exactly. And so to take that, um, I would like to offer now my quick hits on how I think Seattle Hemp Fest could revamp itself in one year and flip the festival on its head. And it is to lean into that. The fact that it's becoming a mainstream thing, that it's becoming a tourist event that I was shocked, honestly, that as someone who traveled from the East Coast, I bumped into less people who traveled to Hempfest. And that people were so surprised that I traveled to Hempfest. Because I think to myself of something like Hempfest, um, where this is a reason to travel. You think of something like Lollapalooza, or uh, you think of something like uh, Acre, uh, wow, excuse me, uh, Sacramento Aftershock, um, you know, or Coachella, or any of these, Burning Man is another one. These right. major festival events. Everybody's at Burning Man right now. We're going to it as we speak, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yep. Yeah. Um, so the like, there the possibility for a festival to become a tourist location is, is huge, and I think that Seattle Hemp Fest has a great opportunity to do that and to remain its free protestable vibe, and that's a really cool thing. And I think it's something that is possible because it's in the cannabis community. Because I think that there are people in the cannabis community who will come to spend money at an event, but will not be motivated to spend money on going to that event, which I think is where Seattle Hemp Fest wants. You know, like they don't want to. If they're going to travel to Seattle, they're going to want to spend their money in Seattle. They're going to want to experience Seattle. And it's going to cost them a lot to get there. And so you don't necessarily need to start an admission fee on Hempfest or anything like that, which I know is one thing that I was hearing from folks that I was talking to, uh, is that they have to keep the festival free, or they want to keep the festival free, and I think that that's a really important thing. Um, also, I think that I read somewhere that uh, it changes some some codings that they fall underneath and they start to charge. There you go. Price. Well, um, and so, and I like, I like supporting the event. Right. Yeah. Like, I think their donation boxes are perfectly appropriate. Um, I, I, it's a bummer to know that it's that much overhead to operate the event for them. But, you know, as we pointed out, porta potties alone. <laughs> you know, and the permits, yeah. I don't even know, but I'm sure they must amount to, you know, a not insignificant amount um, for that event. Uh, and I haven't put on an event that approaches the size of Hempfest. I've done, you know, some very small events in the past, private events, and, uh, you know, none of them have been trivial in terms of overhead at all. So when you think of something like Hempfest that definitely, I would imagine, needs 12 months out of the year maintenance just to get ready for each coming year. Like, they're going to close out this event and they're already in email conversations and on phone calls with folks hopefully you know about what they're going to be doing together next year yeah um, so. so let's take let's let's take what we have and let's say that we're not going to add admission fee or anything like that we're not going to change anything we'll take that but let's take the pieces we have, and I, I'm going to offer my advice to rearrange them in a way I think would work better. Um, so, the main stage location is great. All the other stage locations make no sense. Um, so, the the way that the Hempfest stages are set up is, you, you know, you walk in that first, let's call it the main gate. The one by the big statue at the north end, not the south entrance. I don't know by mm-hmm. Seattle geography that well, yep. but yep. Um, so you're coming in the south entrance, uh, and the first thing that you're coming to is the the speaker tent, um, and kind of tucked behind the trees. So that's a great location. There should be a lot of cool things happening there, um, but. It shouldn't be the first thing that you walk in the door to, um, because there's no reason for people to stumble into it first thing. 
It's not profoundly attractive. It's not something that screams interest from the inside. It's something that people will stumble into if you put it a little later in the festival, but if it's the very first thing they walk into, they're gonna think, oh, but I wanna grab food. I wanna see some of the vendors. I wanna go listen to the music that I hear from across the way. We can't and stop at this one. We gotta keep going. Yeah, they're like, yeah, we gotta go past this one. There's so much more festival. Exactly. Yep, yep. So, Hempfest um, this year had three music stages, and it was set up as like a main stage, uh, stage number two, and then that other stage that nobody cares about. Um, so, take that I think other that was stage. the high stage, yep. Yeah. Um, take that other stage that I saw get minimal to no foot traffic, put it first thing. Because um, you're not going to put anybody on that stage that is going to be your main person. Uh, but you might put somebody on that stage who's going to capture the attention of somebody walking through the door. And that front stage is where you can put all of your five-minute enthusiastic yellers. Everybody who has a really good five-minute pitch who can get up there and say, this is why you should care, this is yada, 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 five minutes, boom, next one. Because that's all the longer people are going to want to spend there. They're going to well, say, and hey, if, the, if the entry experience is sort of designed in such a way that who's on their way in and not quite through the donation boxes and the turnstiles yet can hear and there's a couple quick things that they need right there as soon as they get in like a few portas and you know uh, the first of the food vendors who are also right next to that spot then sure right and I mean yeah we had some of that kind of going up there right at mm-hmm. the south end so there but I think uh, how yeah, that's a pretty straight shot in because you go past the sculpture park. Yep. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, okay, so go ahead. Yeah. So there's there's thing one. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't really need to change the scheduling of that stage. You want to have, you know, whatever local bands want to play, grab them. Fine. Put them up there. Um, 15, 20 minute, 30 minute set. Throw eight more speakers on there. No problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so, next thing that we come up to uh, is the main stage, you know, as it is set up now. I think main stage location is great. I think that's a perfect place for it to be. I like all the food leading up to it. I think it's great. It's definitely the main hub. Um, And what's great about it is that everything funnels into it and it's the biggest space. Since it's the biggest space, everybody feels comfortable going into it. But once you're into it, it's a little too busy, so everybody wants to get out and they go see the rest of the festival. That's good, good planning, you know, well spaced out. Leave the main stage there. Um, We're gonna change the whole schedule of the main stage. Five minutes of shouting and at a band for half an hour doesn't make sense on what you call the main stage um, because that's just that side stage scheduling. It doesn't, mm-hmm. you know? So you're going to schedule 20, 30 minute speakers and then a band on the hour for half an hour. Um, and that's where you're going to start to grab some of the Seattle bands that people know because you're in Seattle, which arguably has one of the best underground local scenes right. in the country, if not in the world, um, there, there are not many places that stand up to the local scene like Seattle. And not only do you have Seattle, but you have Portland right across the way. Certainly people will drive from Northern California. Um, yeah, even the, the Spokane and the fun, uh, country scenes in the early 90s are huge. And it's just a, it's a musically driven place. Right. You're going to find enough bands that are going to draw some sort of a crowd. Um, shoot if you then, embrace the country folk you'd get a whole bunch of uh, different people in there too uh so you know that is an interesting that's a really interesting idea i like the sound of that a lot because you're right i did notice that Hempfest was up against a i guess one of a series of concerts that kexp throws all summer long on the on fridays so that was interesting i don't know that it went on on saturday or sunday so they probably aren't Another local juggernaut, but you may be aware KEXP is probably, you know, our biggest quasi-public radio station. That there you go, that you know, kind of embodies that uh, indie music culture uh, scene here. Um, and I think I noticed no real association with KEXP going on at Hempfest at all, right? I didn't. Not a one, and that was that. that's so. That's thing number two. Not a single local media correspondent was set up with Hempfest. I didn't see a single one. 
I didn't see news all yeah, weekend Yeah, I didn't really see news trucks at the entrances that we came and went from this year either. Nope, didn't see news trucks, saw no radio stations, saw no TV crews, saw no nothing. Um, now, I, I don't know the local media scene in uh, In the past, Seattle. I believe it's been always, you know, covered at least a little bit. But what I know is that typically, if you want your event covered, all you have to do is ask. Um, there is never so much going on that the news won't cover you. Damn. It's just... It's, it, in, awesome. the, in the world of the 24-hour news cycle, um, all you have to do is ask, you know? Wow. Um, so, there should have been somebody there. Um, and I, I don't know that they could have gotten a radio station in there, but I'd be shocked if they couldn't have, especially because right. they're... Just so many radio stations. Seattle is the number 17 radio market in the country. Right, so you would um, think any little radio station around here is talking to tens of thousands of people at any given time and is saying, hey, we're down at Hempfest. Exactly. Come yep. and see us and that's all here at Hempfest. Uh-huh. So none of that's there. So let's take the main stage again, uh, and, and we're going to book a headliner for each night because you, you need a reason for people to be there all day. And again, you you were there even more than I was this weekend, uh, last weekend. I was there on Friday and again on Sunday. Um, spent a good amount of time on Sunday, right? Um, but uh, I didn't notice that on the schedule of events, like in a particularly big way. And maybe I'm just not as connected to the music scene as I should be these days, and not current. Um, maybe some of these bands that did play are a lot more of a big deal locally than I thought. Um, I didn't find myself, like, arrested and stopping in front of the stage and being like, what the fuck is this? This is amazing. Yeah. We're, we're going nowhere, you guys. We're staying right here, you know, for yeah. however long this person's on. I, I don't know. And, and I think a lot of that has to do with the way that it's set up. Because um, if you tell a band that has any sort of social influence that they're just playing at 1.30 in the afternoon on a Sunday, uh, there's not going to be a lot of motivation there. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know... Have a couple of bands to play during the day, but slide most of your bands back into the evening. Um, and right? you're going to want a headline band, and you're so going to want... The daytime can be the education part of the festival, and the evening is the music festival part of the festival. Yeah, and you're going to want you're gonna want your, your headline band, and you're going to want a keynote speaker for every night. And those can be local people. Seattle, like I said, Seattle's got a great local scene, and most of your foot traffic is from Seattle anyway. Anyway, it's a huge city, so get a large-ish Seattle band. Ask them if they want to play, and my bet is they're gonna want to play. I would be very surprised if bands would turn down opportunities from Hempfest. Um, you know, you do a local band Friday, you do a local band Saturday. And then you get a very small band with some sort of national traction from somewhere else to play on Sunday hmm. uh, as your your big headliner. Um, you set it up that way. Each night you have a keynote speaker. One night it's the the city mayor, the local legislator, whoever that may be. Sure. Another night it's somebody from the cannabis community, mm-hmm. um, some somebody with a, a large name in cannabis entertainment yeah maybe yeah maybe somebody with a large following online yeah exactly um and and sunday if you can swing it you get some sort of small time celebrity woody harrelson right a national Um, a national uh interest of some kind exactly um you stack that on your main stage you give people a reason to come to the festival you give people a reason to stay at the festival and to come all the way through sunday Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. To make a weekend out of it, to make yep. an event out of it. Right. Um. So you you do all that. All right. Main stage set done. Easy. Moving on. Next stage was where stage number two is. Um. That's where the speaker tent should be, because right back there where Dope Land was. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Did you go to any of the Dope Cup judging or any of that? Um. So I, I spent a little time Blew over it. there. Um. But was over. Just you know it's. It's like halfway between the main stage and the end of the festival. Um, it's getting a huge amount of foot traffic. It's in a beautiful location. You're right on the waterfront. Um, there's not a lot of tree cover or anything to look through. Um, not that there's a lot of tree cover on the waterfront in Myrtle Edwards Park anyway, but it's just a good location. And uh, yeah, put the speaker tent there. 
because people are gonna stumble into there. It's hot, they've been at the main stage for the last hour and a half and they're ready to move and they're gonna see a big tent with a lot of shade and it's right after the food. So they're gonna get their food, they're gonna go sit at the tent for a little while and now you have people listening to your panel discussions and your, you know, your big draw in education and activism. You can you put in that tent and it's there all day. It's the same as a comedy tent at a major music festival. A lot of festivals these days have comedy tents okay. or acoustic tents. Okay. Um, because you're standing out in the sun all day and you got to get out of the sun, but you don't want to leave that festival vibe. So they give you a reason to sit in a tent. Um, and there's that. And so then you take your second stage, your second most important stage, you put that way at the north end of the festival because then it gives people a reason to be there. And you put one headliner-ish band that plays at six o'clock on every night back at the side stage, way in the back of the festival. Right, and I was going to say, yeah, you make them to push them all the way to the back. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Because then they got to walk, most of them who came in on the south end, they got to walk all the way back through one last time to get back to their cars. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I do like the multiple entrances and exits, and I like being able to come in from the north and work it to the south, you know. Yeah. That would work out great for those folks, maybe, you know. Um, for the end of the night, if they stay for the end of the night and they came from that side, you know, they'll be able to peace out a little easier. Um, you can always just close those exits at night and be like, everybody's got to walk out south. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then you, you put some, like, you got to put some weird shit on, on one of the stages. You got to have a Hempfest yoga. Like, there's got to be a yoga instructor up on a stage doing group yoga. Some there's got to like, you got to have a, a drum circle of something. You got to lean right. in to. I mean, it is what it is. You know, it That's is. That's not a bad idea. They don't really do well. You were there, you know, later than me um, on a couple of those nights, so you didn't see that breaking out spontaneously or anything. You no, know, there was. See, uh, they, you know, there were. They, if there they was had, a jam session had a fire every pit once or two. Well, see, it's so, it's, it was so hot. It was yeah. so hot. It was still hot. Uh, you could have fire dancers, though, and stuff like mm. that. And fuck with that yeah. night, you know. Um, I like it. I like it. Yeah. And so there's my there's my quick hits on how to fix Hempfest. You don't really need to do... You don't need to get anything you don't already have. You don't necessarily need to spend that much more money... Because you keep it local, you know, you build for a couple years. Eventually, you get back to the point where you're bringing in headliners that people know. But you gotta, you gotta build. You gotta work with the new, the new orientation for. Right. I mean, I feel like we, like their mission can't go away. The message doesn't change. The fight isn't over. I would hate to see the event go away. I feel like the event is, you know, part of Seattle and is to be celebrated and you know it's like 25 years old and i want to see it get to 75 years old yeah you know yeah. Uh, or 50 you know uh because you're right it should be a reason for people to travel it should be a reason for people to you know if you can come for a whole week and explore the northwest even outside of Hempfest, but then Hempfest, the hike or your visit, you know, when people go to California to go to Disneyland, I think a lot of folks don't tactically fly in and fly out and never go anywhere else in California. They get a they get a fucking minivan and load the family up and go find the redwoods. You know, they go, you know, head to a few of the other, you know, sites that they can get to while they're in Cali. You don't come that far and go to that much trouble and just do that, right? So you come to the Pacific Northwest in August for Hempfest, but go, you know, bike riding, go get to Mount Rainier, get on a duck tour, hopefully, fingers crossed, not going to work for all of you guys, they stay safe, don't sink, um, you're here, uh, maybe not the duck tour, do something, <laughs> there's ferries, there's ferries to ride, uh, they sink much less frequently, um, let's see, there's lots of great things get on little really cool um, you know seaplanes and fly out to you know the San Juans and fly up to Victoria BC you know in a day while you're here and, and still be back for dinner you know at your, at your waterfront B&B so uh, there's a lot to do here. come 
size that stays alive uh year in and year out you know that would still could be potentially an important event it could be an event that contributes continually to the culture and to you know furtherance of normalization and reform uh you know and and also at the same time represent an annual celebration yeah so so that's you know i i 100 percent agree with you hempfest was my vacation and it was just because I wanted to. I wanted to come out and experience it and see it firsthand being from the East Coast and not being... I, I have not been back to the West Coast since I became a regular cannabis consumer and a regular pot smoker. You know, was, uh, the last time I was in Seattle was for a conference, my like, sophomore year of college. So it had been a while. Um, and I wanted to come back and, and see the place and experience everything. And what I'm saying is that Hempfest was an amazing experience, and I loved every minute of it, and I think that it is a great festival, and I would highly encourage people to go and experience it and support it, because I do think it's doing a great thing, and I think it exists for the perfect reason, that it's just for the continued betterment of the cannabis community, and I think that that's something that's important. prioritizing our activism but we are putting our best activists uh on locations where they are not going to be heard or, or will struggle to appeal to an audience and mm. so i i really commend hemfest for all the things that they're doing and i hope that they uh continue onward and i think that that is my two cents on how you could reorganize the event in a new way Moral immortal, mortal, secret, reach of replaying, and seeing sexual energy. Rick, I didn't eat the angelic grin. Reaper couldn't solicit the bribe to get my essence demon. Moral immortal, mortal, secret, reach of replaying, and seeing sexual energy. Rick, I didn't eat the angelic grin. Now I don't have a lot of stories to tell. Get my essence away more than I'm willing to tell. I'm just here to set an example, present a little sample of what perfection looks like to those with one eye that represent light who struggle to get by. Cause money is light years behind us, but always had the means to get right in this life. Gotta know your soul like the inside of your palm. Why make songs? Get fit inside one. Can you grasp that? All I gotta do is turn the ego off. The lyrics fall from my forehead. The sun real, how real this thought you was can get. I tip forties, but wouldn't need it if the state of being was constant. Word is bond like a wedding ring. I put that on everything. New from eleven years old, I be the king. Moral immortal, portal secret, reach replaces. Seeing sexual energy, we can hide it. Angelic grin reaper couldn't solicit the bribe to 
hotter than Ethan Angelic Green Reaper Couldn't solicit the bribe to get my answers demon So a seed you can't reap, this mojo on lock and key Won't bleed unless I reach heavenly rose Stone grand supreme over everything I see Mary the bars and lips to a bottle of yeast Out of body like a blow to the frontal lobe Get a grip like light speed on a tiny ship Guaranteed to get ripped, only thing left is a perfect soul You really hold that was more than I wanted to show But there the story goes, sleep tight Mortal immortal borders to get rich with plants and scenes Sexual energy, rich and hot to get the angelic Green reaper couldn't solicit the bribe to get my essence demon Moral immortal portal seeker reach your planes and scenes Sexual with energy regard how to get the angelic grand reaper couldn't solicit the bride to get my essence demon Moral immortal portal seeker reach your planes and scenes Sexual with energy